once they try it, they realize it's not so bad. It's faces that they from, that are familiar to them. Their dance teacher's right there. They have beautiful music they can hear. There's someone they can watch very clearly to do the steps with them. So it's really just kind of overcoming that initial kind of trepidation about trying something like this on a virtual setting. And every place we've tried it with has absolutely loved it, including some memory care communities. My guest today helped us understand how to better care for loved ones in nursing homes. They shared some great ideas to combat the cold and isolation. One that I really love is watching the same movie together at the same time and then calling each other to talk about it. Taking a video and sending it to them of uh, Christmas lights that you see around town and describing what those look like. And another is, is sending handwritten cards. You've gotta be thinking about what, how can how can my loved one really participate? Um, the more they can participate, the better. And you know that keeps that that really keeps that loneliness isolation at bay. I'm Sarah Fetsky. This is St. Louis on the Air. And before we move on, I want to remind you that the biggest source of St. Louis Public Radio's funding comes from listeners like you. Because you value what you hear on St. Louis on the Air, donate today. Go to stlpr.org donate. That's stlpr.org donate. At the beginning of the pandemic, nursing homes were hit hard. At one point, more than two-thirds of all COVID-19 fatalities in Missouri were residents of these facilities. Now, nursing homes have gotten a better handle on preventing the spread of the coronavirus. But as case counts spike to their highest level yet locally, keeping residents connected and supported and safe remains a real challenge. And joining us today to share her insight into how things are going and what we can do to help people in nursing homes is Marjorie Moore. She is the executive director of Voice. That's a nonprofit organization that advocates for residents of skilled nursing, assisted living, and residential care facilities. And it also works to educate both families and staffers. So Marjorie Moore, welcome back. Great. Thank you so much. So these are some really tough times for everybody right now. How are nursing home residents doing these days? You know, it has been a, a very tough year for people who live in nursing homes. Um, We've had uh, a lot of callers say that, that everything's change, changed when the pandemic hit. And for those of us that are kind of out in the community living our lives, you, you know, we know everything's changed. But to imagine what nursing home residents are going through, most are in rooms that are the size of our bedrooms, maybe a little bit bigger, not too much, mm -hmm. um, often with a roommate. Um, and in some of our facilities um, in the city, sometimes with three roommates. Um, so, and then sometimes alone. So, and I'm not sure, not sure which is worse is, mm -hmm. you know, being alone all the time or being with a roommate that you didn't choose. <laughs> so, yeah, both sound uh, so tough. And, and I know prior to the pandemic, um, a lot of nursing homes worked really hard to have stimulating activities for people to have visitors come in. Um, has, have, have they cracked down on that throughout this entire pandemic? Or was there at least some months in the summer there where visitors were, were largely welcomed again? So visitors weren't really allowed until uh, mid-September uh, mm. was when the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid uh, released rules that allowed visitors to start coming back in into facilities. Up until that point, at one point in the summer, outdoor visits were officially allowed, um, and outdoor visits are still allowed. Um, however, because of the way that uh, coronavirus has spiked in our community in general, 
um, we're in what we call the red zone. Mm -hmm. And um, whenever we're in the red zone, that means we can only have outdoor visits. Um, People can't go in to see their relatives at all, um, which is going to be really challenging um, in the next month or two um, as it starts to get really cold here. Um, We don't want nursing home residents trying to sit out on the front porch to have a video or even or a visit or even, you know, having an open window visit. Um, That can be dangerous in and of its own right. So they didn't really reopen things up until September, and now we're in November, and with good cause, they've had to close things back down again. So that's a very brief window in in what I'm sure feels like a a pretty long period for these people. Do you have a sense overall? I know it's hard to generalize, but but how are these residents doing? Is, Is isolation a big problem? Yeah, and isolation and loneliness was a huge problem, um, not just in nursing home residents, but older adults in general uh, prior to the pandemic. And that was something that we were really watching very closely at that time. It's gotten so much worse um, throughout the pandemic because you're not allowed to have visitors. Um, The rest of us have pretty decent access to maybe Zoom calls or phone calls, things like that. Um, And in addition to not being able to have visitors, Um, A lot of facilities don't have phones in the rooms. Um, Residents don't typically have tablets uh, to take a Zoom call, Um, and very few have their own cell phones. So there's definitely limited access to any kind of communication. What communication happens often has to go through the staff, which is, you know, our staff uh, at nursing homes were really, really understaffed prior to the pandemic. And that, again, the pandemic's only made that worse. So you know, the one thing that we've seen is the pandemic has shown us, you know, here's all the cracks in the system and has just made them just even even worse. Mm-hmm. My guest today is Marjorie Moore with just some some very sobering information there. She's the executive director of Voice. That's a nonprofit organization that advocates for nursing home residents and and works to educate both staffers and families. Um, my second guest today, who, who's joining us now, she also has some experience in working with this population and in finding creative ways to keep them stimulated, even with everything going on. And that is Vanessa Woods. She's the owner of Vitality Ballet and Vitality in Motion, um, which brings dance classes to seniors. So Vanessa Woods, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. So your company, Vitality in Motion, provides ballet instruction for seniors. And I know before the pandemic, we had you on the show. It was a very memorable episode. You talked about how you you teach dance to these seniors. Um, We met some seniors that you were teaching. (laughs) How did the pandemic change things um, for those dance classes? We have definitely seen a absolutely huge shift in the way that we are able to run our programming. I know my whole team of, you know, we had 20 dancers from all over the St. Louis region um, teaching these classes um, before the pandemic hit. And now we've pretty much had to fundamentally shift the way that we can really keep this program going here in the region. And so how have you been able to shift? I know this is this is not the easiest population to Zoom with, as, as Marjorie just explained, but have you been able to do virtual classes? So it's been incredibly challenging. I think Marjorie hit it um, out of the park when she said, like, it really exposed cracks in the system because really it wasn't, there wasn't a need to do virtual programming on a large scale level before the pandemic. You know, people naturally prefer in-person programming. And certainly I think we all can agree that it's more fun to work out in person uh, than, you know, doing a Zoom class. But 
there was a, a really a need for it. We didn't want to abandon all of these um, seniors that we really developed these relationships with for years now, um, some of them for almost 10 years. So we wanted to make sure that we still had all the same programs that they knew and they recognized and were able to start doing them on Zoom or on YouTube. And nursing home staffers, I mean, as Marjorie mentioned, this has been such a tough period of time for them. Were they open to that? I, I'm sure that added to their workload to, to try to figure out how to facilitate that. Exactly. Yeah, I think they are spread so thin right now. So our goal is that when we're talking to them about how we can use these programs in their community, our goal is that hopefully once they do do the extra setup in the beginning, because you're right, it does take a lot more time to get the, you know, computer technology set up and, you know, plugged into the screen. But our goal is that hopefully once they're there in this, you know, in the class, that it might give them back a little bit of time to get other work done while we're leading the class. So there's a little bit of a trade-off in the beginning. Um, and then, of course, a trade-off in the end where the residents should really leave happier and it's just a different state of mind. Hmm. So Marjorie, these these kind of Zoom classes, they can be done. What advice would you have for somebody, whether they're approaching with a service like Vanessa's or whether it's an individual who wants to, to make that connection with a loved one and maybe the infrastructure isn't in place? Yeah, so I, I think being persistent is, is something that's really important. Um, and making sure that, you know, so especially when we're talking about families um, trying to reach out, um, it's really great to have one person being the point person to make those phone calls. Because one of the things that we saw, and we saw this in, and it was really bad early in the pandemic, was, you know, 12 different family members from one family trying to reach a resident. Mm. And that happening on a scale of 100 residents with a staff already stretched thin, it just made it impossible to return phone calls in a timely manner. Um, and rightly so, a lot of family members were really upset that they couldn't reach out. So um, appointing one person, you know, is, is really the way to go. But be persistent. If you don't get a call back, feel free to call back. Um, and then also trying to identify who is the right person in the facility to to reach out to? Um, in some cases, that might be the social worker. Sometimes it's an activity director. Sometimes it's a, a nurse that has a special bond with a resident. Um, you know, kind of looking for that person who you can really connect with and who the resident really connects with, because sometimes that'll help get you a little bit further as well. Hmm. So if you can find that simpatico person and you're able to sort of have have that breakthrough, um, do you think the idea of having a Zoom call with a, a nursing home resident, this is something that can work? Absolutely. It can work in, in a lot of settings. You know, it. Um, one of the things that we've seen just so many like really heartwarming stories throughout this has been you know, family members getting to have those times. And I think especially as we're approaching the holidays, you know, trying to find time to to make those special connections like that. Now, I will say that there are some residents that this won't work for. Um, we've certainly heard of folks with dementia who really don't understand what's going on, and it, it ends up being more upsetting. So as a family member, you really have to think about what is best for the person that you love. Um, maybe not best for you, but the per for, but for them. So mm -hmm. paying attention to those signs is, is really important. So Vanessa, Marjorie was explaining this, this can work. And this is something that you've seen in your work as well. Once you were able to push past some of those barriers and, and get these classes set up, uh, what has the response been from the residents where you've been able to switch to a virtual class? We've seen a tremendous positive response rate from the classes, actually. I think people are hungry just to try something new now. Um, there's a lot of fear when it comes to doing a virtual class. Um, and so we're really trying to help the residents to overcome that fear and to give it a try. Because 
once they try it, they realize it's not so bad. It's faces that they from, that are familiar to them. They're dance teachers right there. They have beautiful music they can hear. There's someone they can watch very clearly to do the steps with them. So it's really just kind of overcoming that initial kind of trepidation about trying something like this on a virtual setting. And every place we've tried it with has absolutely loved it, including some memory care communities, which was a little bit of a trial and error with us to see how that would go. And even our memory care communities have really expressed joy in the program being able to dance. Really? And when you you speak of memory care facilities, these are people with dementia, things like Alzheimer's. Um, They're able to participate in these remote classes? Absolutely. Yeah. So what we do is we just tailor the choreography so that it's a little bit um, easier to follow. Um, There's different techniques that we can employ so that we're really setting them up for success with the class. We never want anyone to be taking a dance class and feeling like, wow, I can't do this. (laughs) So we really make sure that everyone can can really excel in the class, can feel wonderful, can feel positive and feel good about what they just did. And that includes our memory care communities that we visit on a pretty wide scale um, before the pandemic. So we want to make sure that we're not, you know, excluding them and saying, okay, only independent living and assisted living. So it's very important to us that the programming is inclusive because everyone needs, you know, the stimulation and the enjoyment and the joy of, of movement. Hmm. Marjorie, it seems like maybe there's a moral of the story for those of us who are skeptical. Um, when there's a will, there's a way. It sounds like with this population, some things that, that we might think wouldn't work um, with some persistence or some tailoring, there might be a way to make it happen. Exactly. And I, I love what Vanessa's doing because she's looking at, you know, what can a resident do and, and try, trial and error and, and sticking to it. Um, because, you know, one thing we've learned, not, not everything always works the first time, but we can keep kind of working at things and eventually get to the right solution. Um, one of the things we preach at Voice is person-centered care. So finding the thing that works for each individual resident. And it's probably never going to be the same thing for an entire facility, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, a couple things might work for a couple people. Which is true in the rest of society, too, right? <laughs> and that's a good point. I mean, why should they be cookie cutter when we're not, right? People are people are complicated. <laughs> mm-hmm. My guests today are Marjorie Moore. She's the executive director of Voice, which advocates for nursing home residents. We're also joined by Vanessa Woods, who's the owner of Vitality Ballet and Vitality in Motion, which provides dance classes, often for people sitting in chairs or um, who need a different sort of dance class there in nursing homes. We do need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. And now back to our conversation. We're talking about how to keep nursing home residents connected and included during the holidays without endangering their safety. And my guests are Vanessa Woods of Vitality Ballet and Vitality in Motion and Marjorie Moore, who's the executive director of Voice. That's a nonprofit that advocates for nursing home residents. So Marjorie, um, your big push is that you want to see creative, remote engagement ideas for nursing home residents as we go into this holiday. And you say that it's absolutely critical that people start thinking about this and planning for this now. Feels a little early for Christmas. Why why is it not too early when it comes to this issue? Well, depending on what you want to do, you're you're not just trying to coordinate with your loved one and the rest of your family, but you're also trying to coordinate with the staff of the long-term care facility. So, and you're trying to make sure that you get on the schedule and they're also trying to coordinate with maybe a hundred other families. So, 
it's important to start having those conversations now, set expectations, and also see what is and is not possible because you're going to need to be flexible this year. Something that you've always done, maybe a treat that you've always sent, maybe this year in your particular facility might not be possible. So it's important to start thinking about that now and start having those conversations now before it, you know, all of a sudden you find out uh, that it's, well, hey, it's uh, December 23rd and I want to call mom tomorrow and have, you know, the whole family on Zoom and only to find out that no, the the facility's iPad is booked the entire day. So Mm. we want to make sure that we're making those plans now and early and talking with the facilities as early as possible as possible and confirming with multiple people that uh, your plans are in place. Okay. Well, you make a very good argument that now is the time. I feel persuaded. Um, wh- one thing I've been wondering about, I know some of these long-term care facilities have policies where people can sometimes leave and, and they can go home for limited periods. During this season right now with these rising case counts, is that ever a good idea to maybe give grandma a break from what she's dealing with and, and have her come into your house for these holidays? Well, a lot of facilities have uh, rolled those policies back. So for some folks, that might not even be possible. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the th- things that you have to think about, too, though, is f- anybody who leaves now f- in, I would say, almost all long-term care communities right now would have to be on a two-week quarantine, basically alone, completely alone, not getting any activities, really getting very minimal um, a contact once they return to the facility. So, so that really just might not be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's something to really think about this year is if is that something you really want to do. Um, some facilities are allowing it, but um, the other important thing is to, you know, with any idea you come up with, check with your facility because there are everything's in flux um, this year and things that were allowed last year may not be allowed this year. So it sounds like for most people, we're looking at a remote experience beyond the obvious Zoom call, which I think for a lot of families is a great idea. I don't mean to belittle that. But is there anything else you'd, you'd want to put on people's radars as, hey, this is something fun and different you could do that would be a way to still connect with this person? Yeah. So there are a lot of different ways that you can think about. Um, so one that I really love is watching the same movie together at the same time and then calling each other to talk to about talk about it afterwards. You know, maybe It's a Wonderful Life is, is your family tradition and everybody always watches that this year. It doesn't mean that grandma can't be involved in that in that activity. Um, but again, with some pre-planning and some working with the facility, we can probably get that up on TV at the same time. Um, and this also works for people who have visual impairments, too, because there's a great service called Audio Description on almost all streaming services now. So they can actually hear what the action going on on the screen, too. So um, that really helps out um, and makes things accessible. You've got to be thinking about what, how can, how can my loved one really participate? Mm-hmm. Um, the more they can participate, the better. And, you know, that keeps... That, that really keeps that loneliness isolation at bay. Another thing that I love is... Uh, doing either a Zoom call or taking a video and sending it to them of uh, Christmas lights that you see around town and describing what those look like and just letting them be a part of things. Um, and another is is sending handwritten cards. Um, for a lot of our folks who live in long-term care, you know, that was the way we communicated for a very long time. Um, so I think that's a, a really welcome way to communicate now. Mm-hmm. Um, so thinking about ways like that um, can really 
help people feel more connected through what's sure to be a lonely holiday season. Hmm, Those are all some great ideas. Uh, We actually have a caller with a question here. I'm going to go to the phone lines. Nick is calling from Wentzville. Uh, Nick, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi, Mr. Chemsky. How are you, ma'am? Thank you for joining Um, us. uh, So I have a question. So is this the Zoom call? So do all resident facilities have the capacity to uh, integrate the residents and the families via a tablet. And if not, is there a way to possibly donate some tablets so that we can make this a reality? Nick, I think that's a great question, and that that's a great idea. Marjorie, any thoughts on, on whether these donations would be welcome or if this would just seem like more of a hassle to this overtax staff? Um, You know, I think that a lot of facilities, um, especially those facilities that rely solely on Medicaid for their funding, would probably welcome these because Nick's right there. A lot of facilities don't have a tablet or had a tablet and it got lost or broken. And um, and that is a reality in nursing homes is things things get misplaced because you you have so many people having hands on it all the time that things just who had that last? So, <laughs> um, so I would I would almost guarantee that most facilities would welcome a donation of a tablet. Um, again, check with them first to see if there's a preferred brand or a type that they're already using or a type that they they know how to use. Um, and also check to make sure that they have Wi-Fi capabilities. Some facilities don't, mm-hmm. um, especially in our poorer regions. Um, so I think that that's. Uh, but checking with them, I a bunch would love to, to have them, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And it would really help a lot of folks. We also heard from Eileen uh, on Twitter. She writes, my siblings and I have been doing Zoom and Skype visits with our brother in a nursing home, and they are fun. Not enough aides to assist with these visits. Uh, Vanessa, that that reminds me of what you were saying about how this has kind of just exposed some of the, the weaknesses in this system. It seems like there are some really good ideas and people who want to help. But in some cases, these staffs are just really overtaxed. Absolutely. Yeah, we've been finding that a lot, especially even they used to have volunteers that would come help because a lot of times to do programming, any kind of programming or even just visits, it does have a lot of hands on deck and they're just really spread very thin. Are you finding that, um, you know, with all the, the difficulties nursing homes have to deal with with the pandemic, the need for protective equipment, things like that, they're also having to get rid of their programming budgets, the, the thing that would normally pay for a service like yours? We have noticed an extraordinary change um, in the way that the budgets are allocated because normally the programming uh, is coming from their activities budget, but I'm believing that a lot of their activities budgets is being reallocated for PPE mm. and so other other supplies. And so even programs like mine um, are really kind of you know falling in the back burner, certainly understandable, um, but we just want to make sure that programs like this are there to help you know with some of the other things that they're going to need for social socialization and cognition and uh, exercise, wellness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with these programming budgets going away, Marjorie, it sounds like it's even more important for families who are thinking about doing something, figure out a plan um, and, and try to make this happen, no matter how much hassle goes into that. Exactly. And I think that the more that you can provide for the person um, that you're trying to connect with, the better, um, because you know, as you mentioned, the budgets are getting really tight. A lot of it has had to be reallocated. Um, it's only been um, recently that, you know, the CMS has allowed for some money to go for things like those plastic panels that go up for visitation. So, um, you know, a lot of facilities bought that out of, you know, dollars that were meant for, you know, something else or, you know, thinking, you know, not, I, I don't want to say that just to kind of make sure that uh, families were safe so they were able to visit. So mm-hmm. it's, um, 
yeah, it, it's it's going to be tough this year to to make sure that residents are uh, stimulated all the time. So for anybody who's, who's feeling the call to want to try to figure this out, I understand that um, Voice has put together a program about making these creative connections. This is something you did via Zoom, and this is still available. If people want to check this out for themselves, uh, how can they do that? Sure. They can go to our website, which is voicestl.org, and Voice is with a Y. And um, if you go to our education tab and look at the family education area, there's a place where you can sign up to get that video sent uh, right to your email. Um, And we did about an hour-long presentation with all kinds of ideas, uh, different ways to um, different ways to connect and to help families a little bit better understand what's going on inside of a, a facility. Okay, well, that's great to know. That's at voicestl.org. That, again, is V-O-Y-C-E-S-T-L.org. We'll also make sure to have that on, available on our website, which is stlpublicradio.org. Uh, Marjorie Moore, Executive Director of Voice, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And Vanessa Woods of uh, Vitality Ballet and Vitality in Motion. Uh, We want to thank you for joining us, and and we're hoping that in better days ahead, uh, we can get all these seniors back to their dance class. Yes, we agree. Thank you so much for having me. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.